Do you ever feel lonely? I know I do sometimes. When we function from a place of loneliness, we tend to unintentionally sabotage our relationships, our workflow, our productivity. We see the world wrong and we tend to miss God. The invitation for us as we meditate on a name of Jesus today is to remember we're never alone because God, the God who incarnates and comes to earth, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. I'm Justin here along with Tim. The Quiet Reformation is a small part of the ministry of Netzer. We help to equip and encourage the people of God to know that they are not alone and that God's household has plenty of wisdom to go around. For the next couple episodes, we're taking time to look at the arrival of Jesus on the scene of humanity and how his names speak to us when we feel lonely, lost, anxious, unappreciated, and angry. We are a 501c3 supporter-funded ministry Please visit netzer.org slash connect to donate today. Tim, what's up? Hey. You know how you were just talking about loneliness? Yeah. Well, the holidays are especially lonely for a lot of people. Yeah, it's true. And like, especially when you get together with family and uh, people that sometimes you're supposed to be close to, mm-hmm. and yet you feel super far away from. So I'm glad we're touching on loneliness during the season. Do you have a time in your life where you felt like rejection? Places growing up, like think adolescence or think young adulthood when we're like being formed. Does anything come to mind where you were in a place of loneliness, maybe just being like, I'm an outsider, I'm a stranger to these people, not feeling not feeling it? Yeah, you know, I remember one of my first kind of grown-up jobs, I was working part-time at a church, but I was also working part-time at a financial institution. And it was very obvious that in that environment where they knew that I was a part-time pastor, it was a black mark on me. Uh, I'm not going to say hostile environment, but it was definitely antagonistic at best. Mm. Um, and so I was, I was the outsider. There was, you know, conversations would happen around me, outside of me, not ever to me or through me. So it was a weird place of feeling like very much kind of out of the loop and kind of rejected. So anyway, yeah, that's, that was one of my experiences. How about you? Well, uh, we actually had a men's group at church the other day where we shared some of our stories of feeling weak and everything. Um, I think one of the places I felt lonely or like an outsider was being invited to be an insider or something. And it was actually a trap to beat me up. Yeah. I remember it was elementary school at a PTA meeting or whatever that's called, parent teacher conference meeting. We were outside playing, you know, this was the, I don't know, early nineties and some of upperclassmen be like, Hey, do you want to come and hang out with us and do this? thing over here and so we started going towards the flagpole that had like bushes around it like a hedge and they're like yeah 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 come here come here come here yeah i was just like oh cool okay this is this is uh changing my uh social structure Mm. and it was changing my social structure and i remember uh one of one of the gentlemen that continued to bully me on and off for the next couple years 
uh, was there in the bushes. And he didn't like, I didn't get any black and blue marks, but I got scraped up. It, it, it almost hurt more. It did hurt more because of the fact that I thought that I was being invited into something. Yes. And then it was like, nope. Yeah. And I remember being in the bathroom at a local diner, scrubbing my wounds. Old guy asked me what was going on. I was just like, this is what's happening. And the other part where I felt like lonely and a loser, completely weak, was I just started karate. <laughs> I'm I was a black just belt. Ask, is this I'm a black belt. Started? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing that for like a year or two. I'm a black belt, everybody, just so everyone knows. And I just started it. And I just remember like, I, I, I know martial arts and I couldn't do anything about it. And just feeling like, uh, yeah, that was a pretty, pretty uh, lonely time of rejection. But this is important because we're, we're going to get into some scripture and the scripture that we're tackling has to do with God being with us. And where does God meet us in our loneliness? How does God speak to our loneliness? Yeah, let's do it. And as we're transitioning into that, why don't you stop and think about where are the places that you feel lonely? We're going to jump into the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. We're going to work through verses 18 to 25, and uh, we're going to start just at verse 1, and it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham, and then it goes into the genealogy. Tim, can we just skip this part? Is this important to the story of loneliness? Can we just move ahead and get to something with a little bit more meat? There is something really valuable for us in genealogies in general, and we could talk about that, but specifically to our topic for the day about Emmanuel, God with us, there's an important point to make, and that's that in the text, Matthew is tying Jesus into the large story of God, his covenants with his people, and that Jesus is in line with an ongoing story of God being with his people. It roots Jesus as like a real person. So it's saying he's not just a legend or a myth. This isn't just some random story. He's actually rooted inside of human history and not just human history, but this real story of God and his people. So all those names that are attached are people that are valuable in the story of God. And when he's talking about Abraham, he's going all the way back to the original covenant of his relationship with his people. And so this is actually saying, not only did I say I'd be with you and have a covenant relationship with you, but all the way till now, I'm getting closer and closer and closer until I even show up in the flesh. And for us, that's really important because sometimes we can feel like, you know, random particles kind of floating around and how are we rooted into any story? And uh, when we read this, it should not only tell us that Jesus is in the human story, but that we're, we as humans are inside of God's story. And if we can bring our feelings, submit them to the reality that we're rooted inside of a relationship with God and God's plan for us, we find a deeper sense of belonging than when we always try to make sense of our lives inside of the limited story of the humans that we can see around us. And we can be a little bit more grounded when we understand we're a part of a massive story and we're a key part of that. In verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Why did God choose a betrothed person? Is there anything significant to the fact that she was betrothed? She wasn't 
single. She wasn't married. She was betrothed. Is anything going on there? Right. Yeah. Why didn't God wait till they were married? Well, there's some obvious reasons why he didn't wait till they were married, right? But why didn't he just do this while they're single? And I think that God waits till things are exactly the right time. And this is important for us because some of our loneliness happens in the seasons of waiting. But we have to uh, trust that God has a purpose for why we're in the place where we are. And when we think about this, God wanted the right pieces in place. He needed Joseph there attached to help Mary and to support her. And I don't know that Joseph would have stayed on board if he was just interested in her. <laughs> you know, like there was something about the fact that he was already betrothed to her that kept him there. And honestly, his heart was already connected to her. He already really wanted to be with her. So I'm sure this was very painful for him, but it also was part of what helped him stay in place. And sometimes God binds us to other people so that we can carry their burdens. And we're not in relationships just for what we receive out of it. We're also put in relationships for key support. And sometimes I feel this is how Jen got roped into the crazy, crazy ministry calling with me. It's like, I don't know if she would have chosen, you know, that path. There's no way I'd be able to handle the ministry uh, without Jen either. So like God had that hooked up. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's probably why it, it was that specific situation. Verse 19 and 20, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Okay. So this is where the the term fear is introduced, right? And this is a, in the, in the Christmas narrative, this is a really big deal. And I think one of the things that we need to remember is that anytime God's at work doing stuff, it tends to be uh, when he's doing something unique and it, it's kind of outside of the norm, that tends to be a thing that's very unsettling for us. And so this is you know, the, one of the greatest moments in all of human history, only rivaled by Jesus' death and resurrection you know, uh, and, uh, and Pentecost. So th this moment right here is an amazing moment. And yet everything about it is nothing but scary for this couple. Fear can really mess up our relationships. And when we're afraid of being lonely, that can really mess up our relationships. And Mary was about to be alone here. Like she was fully about to be alone. And we see Joseph again, his heart for her. He, he doesn't want to put her to shame. He likes her, you know, probably loves her, but, he, but he's, he's about to step away. But God steps in, in the moment of kind of Mary's worst nightmare. And I think that this is important for us to remember that when we're in the deepest, darkest hole, that God is there with us and that he's not there just to fix our problems. God is the one who can care for our needs and overcome our fears. And in that sense, it's not just Mary's needs. It's also Joseph's fears because in order for him to be able to do this, they both have fear that they're going to have to submit to the Lord. And I think you see that starting right out of the gate. The first words, Joseph, don't be afraid, you know? And I think that's like the, the opening line. And it needs to be the opening line so often for us from God in order for us to continue to walk in his will. Yeah. Verse, verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, most of us know that naming was such a huge, important thing going on, especially in the ancient Near East. And so 
This is a big deal. The fact of kind of naming God. Ah, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? There's, uh, I mean, he gets to join with God, which is really cool. I mean, like on one hand, okay, I, I'm going to take care of this baby that I didn't make that doesn't have my DNA in it. Right. <laughs> and, and if I'm in Joseph's situation, I'm saying, okay, Mary, let's just say this is God. <laughs> right? um, and if it is God, it's still really tough for me. Right. For Mary, it's a whole other world of tough. But for, for Joseph here in this situation, when he's being asked to submit the naming of Jesus to God's will, that's taking something from him. But at the same time, it is giving Joseph such a huge role in this. When we think back to Adam and Eve and their call to name the animals and uh, to, to be the namers, you know, that was the, like part of being human is naming things. And God gives us authority to do that. And this is what he's doing. He, Joseph, of all the people throughout all history, one person gets to give the son of God his name, you know, and you get to name him. And I think that part of that now is Joseph is not only one who's coming along to support Mary, but he's he's becoming a part of the whole project now, a part of this whole thing. Verses 22 and 23, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is from Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in the Isaiah text, it's in Isaiah 7 and 8 that's being quoted here. If you look, if you go back, an interesting study here is how Emmanuel is talked about in two very different ways. One of them is almost like God is with us. Oh, crap, because he's going to bring justice <laughs> like it's good. But it's also yeah. like we're going to be called to account. And then there's this other side that's a little bit more of the comfort side. So what's going on here with this Emmanuel and the fact that this was going to be attached with Jesus? This is a special verse, 23, that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So singular, like Mary and, and you can kind of say Mary and Joseph, they know Jesus as their baby. They know Jesus as their son. They know Jesus as this beautiful child who they'll raise comma, and they, plural, not being Mary and Joseph. This is probably means all people shall call his name Emmanuel. And to your point, Justin, the fact that Emmanuel can be an amazing thing or a fearful thing. God coming close is both amazing and fearful, depending on where we are, right? And what's going on. And I think what we see here is the personal side of this for Mary and Joseph, that, that this beautiful capacity to nurture the reality of the humanity of Jesus in their home, but the immensity of what's happening here for the world in the fact that God is actually incarnating among us. So now all people will have a name for him. And you see the division, and not the division, but the, the two parallel tracks of Jesus saving us and this child, this name, but then this big understanding, global worldwide generational understanding of God drawing near. And from the very beginning, both things are set in motion. And then verses 24 and 25 to conclude, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So rightfully so, 
in the gospel stories of Jesus's birth, Mary is obviously a big, huge player. And yet in these verses, we're kind of focusing in on Joseph a little bit more. What are some of the things that maybe we overlook in the story of Joseph in connection with this idea of loneliness and this idea of Jesus's birth and God being with us? Yeah. I mean, first of all, let's just name something. You know, Joseph now has a pregnant wife. He's going to have to leave his home. He's going to have to leave his business. He's going to have to go to another place. And Justin, I mean, he can't even sleep with his wife, right? I mean, like there's a, there's a lot going on here that has heavy, heavy cost for all of just kind of the human realities for Joseph. And so as he cares for Mary, as she carries the heaviest part of the burden, he also now is participating. And again, he got called in to name with God so that the privilege of naming Jesus is him taking ownership, but now he's bearing the weight along with Mary. And so he becomes invested. And now it's not just Mary's to have faith. It's they have to walk in faith together. And sometimes loneliness can really hit us when faith happens. Justin, like I've watched it many a time when couples who don't know the Lord are doing okay, kind of hanging in there together. And then one of them comes to Christ and gets set on fire. And then this thing happens in the relationship where their priorities have shifted and it's really brings up a whole level of tension. And Paul kind of talks about this in Corinthians when it comes to like, how, how do you handle a situation where you came to Christ in a relationship where you guys didn't know Jesus and now you do? And how do you navigate that? And as in pastoral counseling, I remember just dealing with this a bunch. And in this situation, it's very similar. Like Mary is called by God to carry a burden and she could be alone. And she could be really lonely. And Joseph has to make a decision to join her and take his own responsibility. And, and you know, that thing that can happen where something comes into the marriage or comes into a friendship or a relationship where you can kind of resent the other person for how it affects you. And I think here, Joseph is being called to participate in a way that's not just, I'm doing what I need to in order to care for my wife. And a bit, but this is about you guys as a family now, and you're brought into this thing. Joseph woke from his sleep and he makes the decision. He did as the angel commanded him. And he didn't, you know, get involved physically with his wife. And he called his name Jesus. So he's like, at this point, he's all in. It's going to cost him. But here's the thing. Together, they grow in authority. Together, they grow in carrying this burden. You know that they got thick together in the relationship as they walked in this together. So it's a beautiful moment of because they choose to not just feel lonely and isolated from one another because of what's happening to them or blaming one another, but they instead choose to receive what God is doing and own that, it actually draws them into the relationship deeper together. All right, let's take a, a minute here to reflect on the name Emmanuel. You know, God tells Joseph to give him the name Jesus, and, and that's his name. But everybody else knows him as God with us. Like that's that's how they they experience Jesus. So it becomes like kind of a nickname, if you will. God with us is the reality of who he is, and we can't change that. Like Jesus is with us. The question is, can we fully receive that 
for us, it's hard to imagine that God would want to be with us somewhere deep in our subconscious. We know that in the midst of our brokenness, it seems like we don't really deserve to have God close to us. And if he is close to us, he's going to be really annoyed with us and we're not going to want to be close to him. If I had unlimited power and resource, I can't imagine that I would want to draw close to the people who annoy me, who hurt me, and who disappoint me. And yet God, instead of allowing us to continue to distance ourselves and isolate ourselves from him, he tries to help us by coming close. This is who God is. He's a come close God. Many of us have felt rejection on some level. We've felt a father who didn't really seem to enjoy hanging out with us, a friend who betrayed us, a spouse who was unfaithful to us, a child who hates us, a boss who overlooks us and doesn't appreciate us, a group at school who ignored us or picked on us, any of these different things that we've experienced as rejection. And it's easy then to project on God the fact that because we are who we are and because God is who God is, why would he actually want to be with us? And unless we reconcile in our minds and come to terms with the reality that God is actually with us and for us and toward us, then we can't experience the beauty of what it means that Emmanuel is God coming close enough to keep us from ever having to deal with the depth of loneliness that comes from truly being alone. But we do have a choice. We have a choice as to whether or not we are with God. God is very courteous and gentle with us, and he won't force the relationship. And the journey of faith, it's really about being aware of and submissive to the presence of God. And so I think as this season of Advent is drawing close, I want to invite you to take a minute and to contemplate if God is ever present and he is with me in the places where I feel alone or feel lonely right now, what would it look like for me to invite God into that space and then direct my heart and my mind to imagine the reality of God in that place that feels so alone and feels so isolated. Sometimes my fears and my concerns and all my worries and trying to control my situations can keep me from being aware of God's presence. And when the anxieties and the stresses and the concerns and the despairs of this life have me focused on the places where I'm separated from other people or others don't understand, I can miss the reality of God right here with me. Right there in that place of loneliness, invite God to incarnate in your heart. Allow him to speak those beautiful words of his love for you. And then you respond along with the rest of humanity. You are Emmanuel, God with us.